And we're back with uh, episode 13 of Better Radio. Uh, my name is Liam. Uh, this is... Uh, I'm Brian. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Brian's also here. And uh, we have a, uh, another guest here today. Uh, care to introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Tim Champa. Oh, Tim Champa. How you doing today, Tim? I'm doing pretty well. I was, was telling you before we were on mic that... I went to a bar mitzvah for the first time last night, so I I went a little bit hard, and I'm recovering today. But on a scale from one to seven, how was the bar mitzvah? Uh, it was the best bar mitzvah I've ever been to. Good, um, good, big ten. But I'm gonna I want to leave room for expansion there, so I'll say it was a seven. A seven. Okay, yeah. okay, ideal, ideal. It uh, sounds like you had a good good night. Glad, it was. Glad to hear it. It was like the kind of night where you're like, <laughs> I. I'm going to take full advantage of this open bar. It was like going to... A, it was like, you know when your significant other brings you to a wedding for somebody that you've never met? That was kind totally. of like the vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Bar Mitzvah, that's... Um, it's a party atmosphere. I've never been to one. So, like... Yeah. Obviously, all I've ever seen is, like, pop culture. Um, Same. Where it seems to be, like, you know, the 13-year-old, right? Yeah. Yep. And you and forget how young 13 drunk. is. Yeah, we went to our sister's volleyball game, and she's a freshman in college, and I'm 25, Liam's 22. 21, about to turn 22. Well, 22 by the time this is live. Yeah. 22 by the time this is live, yeah. Um, and I was like, what? why do freshmen in college look like babies now? Yep. Like, I don't get it. I don't know. Aging's weird, man. It, it, to me, if I if I didn't know it was a bar mitzvah and you just were like, look at the the children on the dance floor, how old would you guess they are? I would be like eight. Eight, They're right? Eight. It's the fluoride in the water. <laughs> it's what, uh, and the chemtrails. And I the chemtrails, yeah, I've heard. Sure. I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim, so uh, who are you? Who are you? Who, who am I? I am a... Wow. I, can, I don't. I can't identify you, myself. Oh uh, well, in, you are a very funny stand-up comedian, uh, friend of mine. You're too kind. Uh, from the Worcester, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, we met in the Worcester comedy scene. That's right. Uh, I believe it was Nick's bar. Uh, I saw you go on for, uh, you know, it was uh, one of the first times I saw you. I just saw you crush, and I'm like, well, this sucks. There's another good kid on the scene. Um, awesome. This is great. This and then is great. you've seen me enough times after that to know I've never repeated that success. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the only time I. I think I could legitimately say I killed on stage. Um, was that first time you saw me? And uh, yeah, well, we we've talked a good amount about being kind of new and trying to figure out who you want to be stylistically as a comedian, and um, and trying to figure out how much of, of a kind of one-liner type approach do you want to take versus how much of it do you want to be story-based mm. and. So just, I, I feel like I'm still pretty new to the scene. Like I, I, the first time I did stand up was like last November, I think, but I kind of took some time off for a little bit. So I'd say on and off or yeah, I've maybe been doing it for six or seven months. Mm. Uh, so I think I'm definitely still like super green and, and trying to figure out who I am as a, as a performer. But, uh, you know, I have enough good nights that. It keeps me coming back. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, we, we like having you there on the scene. So, so what uh, inspired you to get into comedy? What was the the moment where you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this? Yeah, I've always, I've always been really into 
comedy. I've wanted to do this for like 10 years. I'm 33 mm. now. So um, when I was out of college, that was probably when I first really got into comedy. Some um, friends gave me uh, a Mitch Hedberg album. I forget which one it was. It's the one that has like the Sprite recipe joke on it and uh, the Ooh, real uh, estate. I used to, I was like my introduction to a lot of comedians was through the Pandora music app. Mm. So I don't know like how a lot of special, like what uh, jokes fell on which special, but I do know that sure. joke. Yeah. Big fan of Mitch Hedberg. And then also I was really into Jerry Seinfeld's I'm telling you for the last time, which yeah, is like, good. um, those were the two first comedy albums I ever like listened to back to back. And anyway, I, I, as far back as college was like writing jokes um, and, you know, I always like to riff with my friends and all that, but I just never got the, the balls to just mm-hmm. get up and go on stage until last year. I think part of it was just like boredom in my life right. and it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it came for me. It was just like, I wanted to do something new, you know? It's so funny to me too, because we, in the scene that we're in, so many people you tell, you can tell they get on stage cause they're like. I went through abuse or trauma or I've got depression and I'm suicidal all this time. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm here because of boredom and privilege. Like, <laughs> which, uh, you know, some may argue is way worse than any of the Absolutely. stuff that ever happened to any of those people. I can't point, I can't blame anything except pure narcissism. Yeah. Well, that's, right. that's, that's, that's a... That's hey, a man, I have event. three podcasts, so <laughs> yeah, I'm well-versed in pure narcissism oh, for fair sure. Enough, fair enough, fair enough. So I can relate to that. So what has been kind of like, what did you expect when you started and then how is that like juxtaposed to the reality of starting in a place like Worcester as, as an open micer to a, you know, moving on in your career as a comedian? Yeah. Um, well, I found it to be less scary than I thought it would be for sure. I thought it would be like very, very harsh where I would, you'd get on stage and uh, people would like boo you and shit and that just doesn't happen at open mics because everybody knows that everybody's like trying to work it out but I I don't know I kind of went in thinking worst case scenario what happens if you get on stage and you're terrible right and uh, so I I was that was a relief to find out pretty quickly that people are pretty tolerant of the fact that you're just getting up there and trying trying stuff Mm. I the other thing that was kind of surprising was how hard it is to nail a perfectly written joke. Right. And you might have a, a concept that like works so well in your head and then mm-hmm. you get on stage and it's just crickets and that's what and the other thing is we're we're similar on this, I think, too, that I love clever joke writing. I want something that's like a great twist or something mm-hmm. that you didn't see coming that tickles me, my comedy funny bone for lack of a better word. And uh so I got to a place where it was easy for me to confuse clever with funny because sometimes I'll write something that I think is super clever and it doesn't work on stage because it's just not funny in the same way. You look out and people are smirking because they're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty clever, yeah, but well, it's well not done, but like it's not getting me in the giggles. It's like the, the funny is money, wit is shit thing. That's good. And I haven't actually heard that before. I think it's a... Um, They just say it to like comedy writers that if your instinct is to be punny or just try to be witty, that that's not 
necessarily what gets the laugh. That only gets I think it's a Mel far. Brooks um, quote. It's a, yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good line. Um, I'm definitely I am with you. We're like when I when I first started doing comedy, you know, some of my favorites of all time, uh, you know, like Jesselnik, uh, Christopher Titus, uh, Bo Burnham, stuff like that. I, I mean, those kind of three different types of comedians. Sure. But the thing I gravitated to the most that I thought was the coolest was like, <clears throat> like the fewest words you could say to get to the punchline, and have it be something like people could think about. You know what I mean? Think it's funny and. I, I always enjoyed uh, writing the twist. I guess it's like the style of joke writing is the joke teller. That was like the maybe the most like uh, the initial like way people did comedy, which was uh, just telling a small little like a few lines that create a joke. Um, I, I, so I'm right up like your alley in that in that regard. That was always my favorite style of it. But I feel for me, like some people will like try to limit you that way you know they'll, they'll think that would be all you can do you know it, it, i don't know it was hard to kind of trick my brain into not writing that way now i'm now like, i'm trying to branch out a little bit more do more storytelling more animation like on like on stage and stuff like that be more of a character i guess mm-hmm. uh i don't know i was just i guess that's more because the like joke writing clever joke writing is something like okay anyone can write jokes you know like anyone can do the jo- jokes i've like written you know there's no real personality it's all just it's not it's it's uh it's like substance over style i guess you know but style yeah. in comedy goes a long way yeah i know what you mean and but i think there are people that do a good balance of that like i think john tilson that's oh, his so name good. right yeah he's so good, so good but he that i feel like he he very much is in that joke teller style, but at the same time has a very clear persona and personality that that comes through, and that you can connect to, apart from the jokes that he's telling. Uh, so I, and I, I've said this to you before that I think, if you've got the mind to write those clever types of jokes, fight the instinct to move away from that completely, as opposed to just kind of incorporating it into, whatever it is you want to be as a more well-rounded comedian maybe i like i will say it doesn't like i've written storytelling jokes i've written joke jokes and like in the way we're talking about it and it does feel a lot better (laughs) when you i feel when you can get like a like a three when you can get like three lines into a hilarious like punch you know do you think um I feel like it's way, way harder for me to predict if something story based is going to work versus so much harder. a clear punchline, yeah. and that's very frustrating. Because mm-hmm. I liked the almost the mathematics of joke writing, where you're like, "That's like when you have a great punchline, you know it." Yeah, totally. Um, whereas if you're telling a story and you think there's something funny about it, and then it doesn't land, you're like, "Fuck!" Then I don't even know what I'm doing up here. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, the. Definitely some of my worst experiences doing comedy have been uh, involving trying something I thought was going to work as like a longer storytelling bit and realizing like, oh, I'm just kind of giving people context for 45 seconds, you know. Well, here's a question along that line. So obviously as someone who does primarily comedy online, you know, sketches, mm-hmm. you know, just general comedic videos, it's a lot easier because people who are into my style of comedy can find me are there ever moments where you're like you tell a joke and you're like in your head i know this is funny i know this works but 
for whatever reason, this particular crowd didn't react. And how do you kind of totally? How do you kind of reconcile that in yourself and being like, I know this works, but they didn't laugh. What's the kind of thought process there? If you've had that kind of an experience, uh, I certainly have with Tim. If you want to go for this first, um. I tend to be really hard on myself. So no matter what the crowd is, if something doesn't work, I'm like, I might try it one other time, but mm-hmm. but I I lean pretty heavily towards that didn't work. And right. it probably wouldn't work with any audience. And maybe that is the wrong instinct, but I just... They say that you should be able to work and do comedy in any room. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so to the extent that I would write something that could work in a certain situation but doesn't work in any of the open mics that I've done, I'm like, I'm not, I wouldn't even know how to get to a room where that could work, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, I wouldn't even know how to find the right audience that's every weirdo that would happen to like that joke right. um, to the point where I could tell it to them. And I think Gary Goldman has a, a tip about that where he's like, if you have weird jokes, like these weird esoteric jokes that you're doing at open mics and mm-hmm. almost nobody's laughing, but there's like one weirdo in the back, like mm-hmm. keep holding on to those until you've got it. You've built an audience who oh, likes you for those types of for things, style, yeah. but you got to kind of like thread the needle of building that audience, which comes through a combination, which I guess just comes from like balancing out those instincts with stuff that's going to work more broadly um so yeah i think it's i think it's a little bit different than like you said than sketch comedy where your audience seeks you out where and then the other piece of this is that when you're doing an open mic like we were saying most of the time the room's like 90 percent comics and that does make a difference i think that makes it that makes it um a tougher room but it also makes you a better comedian because if you get a room full of comics to die at a joke of yours then you you probably got a pretty good. Uh, you've done more like actual shows. I I haven't done any, so um, I don't know if you've had the kind of the opposite experience where like something works with comics but not with regular people. But so I can tell you 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 know I could see you having uh, like on some shows some similar interactions to what I'm about to describe. Uh, Sometimes, you know, uh, a joke... Okay, so you're talking about mics, right? Doing shows on mics. And, um... Yeah, sometimes it'll be 90% comics with 30% of them listening to you. You know? And then when you get the whole crowd, you know, suddenly everyone's... You know, it means everyone's paying attention to you and you've earned their attention. Right? There have been jokes that, like, I'm confident in them working. Right? I've said them... Like multiple times, you know, finally I, I bring them out to a show. And sometimes they'll crush on a show. But sometimes, given the content, some people at that show are not there for that type of content. <laughs> and you'll say a joke and it'll, you'll hear, you'll be able to hear a nail drop, you know. In a, I remember one time I, I did a, I was, it was a pretty big crowd at the Wuha. It was like 70 people or something. And one of my jokes that I had, like, been doing for a while, like, one of the ones I could kind of rely on, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd worked on shows, smaller shows, bigger shows even, did not work for this show at all. And it was, I've listened to the audio, I'm, like, doing very well in between this joke and immediately after, because I, like, kind of acknowledged it and moved on, but 
for like a few moments I'm up there and I'm like, why did that not work? I've said it this way a hundred times. It's the cadence, the style. But sometimes, man, you'll just you'll you'll be in a crowd that's not necessarily looking for the content that you want to deliver. Now, mm-hmm. they're with me or on board with about everything else I said. You know, I it was a good set, and I caught myself later thinking about it. I, I didn't I didn't even think about the nine and a half minutes that I did really well on the yeah. set, right? I thought about the 15 to 30 seconds that was, like, awkward to me. Yeah. And in my back of mind, I, I wanted to just say, like, yeah, fuck you guys, that shit was so funny. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've proven it, I've tested it, and, you know, it's weird. So, you know, sometimes they're not there for you, but if you are consistent and honest with who you are and your jokes... I feel like there's way more value in that. You know, maybe not every crowd's for you, but in the same way Gary, you know, has sure. said it, uh, you know that there are people out there that like that. So, And pretty much any comic, like, established season comic out there will tell you that even with their, their entire set being something that's validated and worked in most places, have gone out and done shows where they bomb Completely, start to finish. Yeah. So I think that's probably a good instinct that if it fails one time out of ten or whatever, then it's still worth doing. But I that that's interesting that the idea that people just weren't there for a certain type of material because I uh, I have tendencies, I almost like edge lord tendencies a little bit to talk about things like politics or um, uh. What's the other? Oh, religion, mm-hmm. uh, which we were talking mm-hmm. a, fun, about fun a little stuff. bit more before off mic. Because I've got um, really, I think, interesting histories with those um, those things, especially religion. I was raised really religious, mm-hmm. and and now not. And I I feel like I've like you were asking before, like, can I envision an audience for something? I think if the room was full of people like me who mm-hmm. used to be religious right. and are now not, right. That I have jokes that would destroy, right? But that's such a weird niche audience, it's so, I could, yeah. so it's almost like a waste of time writing in that mm. um, vein. And then politics is just like such a crapshoot because you have no idea who's even if you're not even if you're not taking a, a point of view that's controversial or uh, alienating or um, divisive. It's just like if you're talking about a topic that divides people. 50, at least 50% of the people in the room are going to be like on the edge like oh no what is it, what, what's he going to say is he going to say the thing that I agree with or the thing that I don't agree right, with and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I so that's been interesting because I like want to talk about those types of topics but trying to find them in a way that trying to talk about them in a way that's like um, like I have a bit about gun control and mm-hmm. I try to make all the I don't necessarily shy away from like letting you know what I think about the right. issue, but I don't want the punchlines to have to rely on that. I don't right. want, I don't want you, good. I don't want you right. to have right. to agree with me for the joke to be funny. Right. And, uh, so that, that's been a really interesting exercise. And then some things I'm just like, that's too dark or too, uh, like I had a, a bit about embryos that I was doing for a while and a like what it would be, it, it's, but it never like worked that well. Cause I, it, cause it's too, <laughs> I was a fan. It's like, it's the, just, the one guy in the back. Yeah. Pretty, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's, uh, that's why I don't know when I, when I remember the first time I saw you, I was like, oh, I, I liked him. You know, I, I think I like his style. So that's what, what I mean. But yeah. 
go on about the bit. Yeah, sorry. I'm very oh, the, 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 the premise is like, um, embryos, it, like, uh, the majority of them that people conceive end up dying mm. uh, under natural conditions. Right. So if you're like my parents who mm. are, they, they think an embryo is a person and they believe in heaven, that means right. heaven is like 90% embryos. <laughs> And so what? Yeah, what like a good point. So it's yeah. like riffing on that. Like, uh, what would that be like? You have yeah. to imagine being at a party and getting stuck talking to an embryo and like that <laughs> that type of stuff. But it's very. Um, that's not something everybody's there for, no. right? You know, it's not something um, to think about. Yeah, but there, that doesn't mean it's not funny. You know, it's yeah, it's sure. it's 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 a it's a crowd thing. You know, where I I I could hear something like that. And like that's a funny, unique thought-provoking idea you know like it's a way of looking at it but it's also like you have to calibrate how dark you want to go with it because i had like a a visual joke in there that's like what does that look like oh it looks like a, a giant tray of popcorn shrimp or something like that oh, and you're me. like jesus <laughs> that's so fucked up and yeah, dark yeah. in a way that like most people especially i mean even I'd say maybe half the comics might be down for that, but yeah. then if you did that at a show, I think people would be like, even if I ultimately agree with you, that's like too it's fucked harsh. up. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's some. There are some comedians out there uh, that I, I don't know. I've seen do some really hardcore stuff recently, like at Mike's and uh, <laughs> Alan Fitzgerald. Yeah, okay, well, I'll say it. I'll <laughs> Alan Fitzgerald. I love Alan Fitzgerald. Yeah, he's he's extremely funny. But he he is it the and I, was, I I remember I told you yeah after we saw him go on last time I was like what a brave man. You know what I mean? What a, yeah. like that was the only time I've ever seen him struggle. Yeah. Uh, but that was the hardest I've ever seen him push. It was crazy. In the I was vein. I was in fucking tears. I thought it was I thought it was just fucking funny as shit. But. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. You know, it's a it's a it's a not for everyone, but like for the people that are with you, I think really appreciate it. You know, you know what I've I've found to be really um, surprising about doing comedy is I uh, for some reason thought mean spirited jokes would do better than they have for me because mm. um, you you know you, there's like a lot of roast comedy out there. There are a lot of comedians that have kind of like a mean streak to yeah, them who are no, successful. But I felt like every time I've written a joke that's mean, it really doesn't mm-hmm. land. Um, and I think part of the that embryo bit is that too is like to what extent am I being just fucking mean? Just talking about the... about how boring embryos are and that right. kind of thing. Or like uh, I had a especially if you write a long bit with that in mind. Like I had one that I tried at uh, Dark Rose a few months ago about um, bikers and how how like sloppy i think bikers are and uh i had like a bunch of jokes and i get like halfway through this i don't know three minute bit that i had written and i'm like nobody is on board for this general idea that you know um bikers are are so do you have like a big biker demographic uh, yeah, listenership actually all of our listeners yeah sponsor i had yeah. i had one punchline that was like um it's weird that they call bikers organized crime. Um, imagine like a a cop investigating a scene. Like, do you think this is organized crime? They're like, no, this is clearly the work of somebody who doesn't know how to button a shirt up all the way. Like, <laughs> and my That's friend funny. was like, you're gonna get your ass kicked. Yeah, by. yeah, don't do that at like some bars. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it is, it's mean spirited like to it. a degree. That's like. 
you know, this is maybe a little too uh, in the weeds, but I, I think you're not aware of how much your background plays into your comedy too. So I think there's like class elements of me um, dunking on bikers, you mm-hmm. know, because I just was raised like upper middle class my whole life and right. I just wasn't exposed to that type of a thing. So for mm-hmm. me to get on stage and make fun of wet t-shirt contests is more than just me making fun of wet t-shirt contests. Yeah. It's like, who is this? It's, fucking kid who never had to work for anything <laughs> in his life, who's never had to sell meth through his biker gang. I uh, I voluntarily sell meth, but <laughs> I um I uh I'm with you on that. There's a whole other like element to a lot of this where I didn't anticipate at all. Where it was like, you know, I just wanted to go up there and tell jokes, but like suddenly it's it's a it's a whole it's a whole it's 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 Liam Marr telling jokes, you know, and it's. In, in one, one hand, maybe the hand that's important is like, you know, that is your voice. You know, if that's really what you think, you know, that that's your angle. You know what I mean? That's that's something people can't really take. They can diminish, but they can't take away from you, you know? And that's the most hurtful stuff to have fail. If yeah, you're like, yeah, that's sure. just raw me and it didn't work. At it's all, like, man. oh, fuck. It's like, man, I tried. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that, that was me. But And to try to do more of a story-based approach to comedy that is so much more who you are and what your personality is and so i think that's why it's so scary and hard when you first start setting out because if you if you you know this you have a ton of jokes that are like undeniably great jokes thank you but when you move away from that and you're like let me tell this story that i think is funny and it's it's not as clear cut of a punchline. it's just like do you think this is as funny as I do? And how much of that is re- relying upon the fact that you think I'm just purely funny as yeah. a person? Cause that's the, I think that's the one thing if I could have, I would trade anything for it. I do, Cause I, I genuinely, genuinely don't describe or think of myself as a funny person. I think of myself as like a clever witty person. And uh, so when I see somebody get on stage and they have both, I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, if you can just tell a story and make it work on the pure power of your personality, I'm so envious of that. Because mm-hmm. um, I just do not do not have that. Um, but I think I can write a joke. Well, see, the thing is, I also, like, initially my storytelling bits, like, that I, I've kind of been trying to work on and whatever, I think... And this is just because we're both fairly new. You know what I mean? Yeah. At, at the end yeah. of the day, we're both like less than a year into it, really. You know, of taking it seriously. And, and two oh, year in comment, comics talking about their. Exactly. To, the, our seasons. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our season uh, like, of comedy that we Anybody were, in the well, scene do, who would listen like to this is probably think, like these fucking guys. These fucking guys. I do like to think that this right now is like a, this show as a whole, 13 episodes in, is like something for people who are thinking about trying you know an open mic and then kind of hearing what that's like yeah you know? so that's that's, true. so don't worry if you're like i'm not we can give the new expert. guy a yeah position, right yeah that's what i like to think of it as because we started off a lot when you were starting to run that mic you do at the dark the dark rose yeah um so it was a lot like how do you start an open mic what do you do when you go there you know that kind of stuff so this is a continuation of going that. on so okay don't feel like you know, oh, I, who am I to talk about this? Because it's your experience, you know? And I do think there's an audience for this and for people to hear about that. 
And I, especially for you being as young as you are, like, I wish I had somebody tell me when I was in co- coming out of college and like thinking about doing comedy that someone was like, do it. It's not as scary as you mm. think. Yeah, I was, I was very lucky. Uh, I came to Worcester at a good time, I think. As, as you have said, you know, it, I think that Worcester's just kind of a special scene. I mean, granted, it's the only scene I've spent mm-hmm. as much, I've been as intimate with, but I've tried others. I've tried, I've tried going to others and, you know, whether it's political or it's, you know, who you know or whatever, uh, which is a very real thing. Um, I, I didn't feel like there was any barriers in Worcester. I didn't feel like there right. were... People, people let me go up there. I and you're the same way. Like when when we first went out there, we were fucking weirdos. You know what I mean? We we like we went up, and people liked it. They were like, "Hey, that's a this kid's fucking weird." But like, I liked what he's saying. You know, uh, Worcester was like super welcoming, just kind of in general. Uh, I felt um, it, might, but I also think it was because the show, uh, like, the scene is kind of. You know, it was developing. It was finding its legs. It was finding its mm-hmm. regulars. You know, and it had been. According, like, I mean, I, I don't know if you've talked to uh, some of the other comics and seen about how, like, long they've been doing it, but a lot of them started around the same time. Like, uh, Jesse, Dave, and Ben, uh, Lou, I think all started, like, two and a half years ago or something. Wow. And they all, yeah. like, they all just kind of, like, started around the same time. Yeah, and man, because when I was doing open mics in Worcester, yeah, when was I was nothing, in college, right? there was nothing. There yeah. was, yeah. there were two music mics. And then it was like, hey, I'm going to do comedy here. And they were like, I guess we can't stop you from doing that. <laughs> sure. But yeah. now there's that. There's like a poetry mic. Yeah, no, there's um, the there's Nick's. So much. There's Nick's, Beat Nick's, The Raven with, you know, the mm. music slash comedy open mic. I still mic. think I was the first comedian to ever perform at The War you Raven. Very, you very well Because they gave been. me a weird look. They, they, you very well could have been. Um, then the, 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 Is that a mixed mic? Uh, is it now? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because of like right now, it's it's mixed. As I'm the usually the only comic that shows right, up, but yeah, they know yeah, me there. Yeah. You should definitely check it out. It's good to stretch your legs. So like, you yeah, go on take for fifteen. Over the so. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. For me, dude, when I first started, it was uh, it was a big deal because it for me because uh, you know every other mic they give you five minutes and that can be okay. Am I trying new stuff or am I just trying to fill the five minutes with stuff? And then you fill the five minutes with stuff. Then you're just doing mics with the, that five minutes, trying to make it tighter and tighter. But when I went to the Raven, they're like, "Yeah, you go on." And suddenly, I'm doing crowd work. I'm interacting with people. I'm, it's all about just getting like comfortable, you know, yeah. acting more like yourself up there. I think mm. um, really went a long way for me. But uh, on top of the Raven, there's the Comedy Attic every other Thursday, um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Even oh, and, and Vincent's. And Vincent, so there's five mics yeah. that I'm even thinking of in Worcester right now, and then there's the shows. Oh, and then Sunday is the Wuha, and yeah. yeah, so it's it's almost every night of the week you can go and do comedy. It's uh, it's, it's definitely changed. And it was in it to your point too about it being a welcoming scene. I um, when I first did a mic, it was in Providence. I did like a couple back to back in Providence, and uh, it was rough. Like it really? was not. It was really sparsely attended, and um, I, it felt a little clicky to me. Like there were a decent amount of comics there, but they were all like in a back room, like not, True. you know what I mean. So yeah. there were only like three or four people like actually watching, and you know nobody talked to me afterwards or anything like that. Um, despite being like, yo, um, this is my first time doing a mic or whatever. Mm. I the first time I went to Worcester was like the exact opposite. There were like. 
uh, first of all, it was at Vincent's, and there were a decent amount of people in the room. Uh, it was like the first time I really got laughs. Um, and then I think it was Paul Cyphers came up to me afterwards just to be like, hey, I've never seen you before. Like, welcome to the scene. Go, you should check out Worcester Open Mics or whatever, whatever yeah. the Facebook group is. And so just like night and day experience um, compared to what, what happened in in Providence not to shit all over Providence but uh um there are a couple mics that I'll still go back to there sometimes because having that intimate an audience is like if something works there it's probably gonna work at somewhere else like Nick's or whatever but uh but it it went a long way to toward making me feel like oh I want to do this longer term instead yeah. of just like trying it a few times and giving up yeah. I'm, I'm i'm 100 percent uh in agreement with you on that i just I, I i haven't i actually got to check out providence more see some stuff but i uh i think that's what made worcester special at least to me you know and the being able like a lot of us just hang out after at, at the bar till for hours you know it's fun and it's we're friends and I don't know if I can say I would have had the same experience if I were to have checked out maybe a Boston or a Providence, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So on top of being a comedian, a super fucking funny comedian. You're we also got... a game maker. Yes, in the sense that I've made a game. Right, well, what is this game? Yeah. So um, we show it to it's, the camera. It's called. Mind. Yeah, it's called Drinking Buddies. Oh, no. um, we. Okay. I can give oh, you like later. kind of the. The making of of it, I guess. Like yeah, years ago, I had an idea for like uh, a video game that okay. would be kind of like Mario Party, but mm-hmm. like a drinking game. Right. So like house party type right, type yeah, yeah, vibe. Yeah. And uh, um, started talking with one of my friends who's like an app developer about like could we make an app based mm-hmm. game that's like a drinking game or whatever. And uh, as a, we were thinking about like good names for that app, mm-hmm. the name Drinking Buddies came to me and then the concept for this game kind of uh we spitballed it from there and it became what it is now which is a card-based strategic drinking game that it's like color matching based so i can give you I can, yeah, like, so open let's this break it down. yeah let's I'm break it open so if it wasn't 10 30 on a sunday morning uh we'd be getting sloshed <laughs> yeah um and so there's a couple of things that, that you do with it um you, Liam, can I task you with opening this? Um, you can play with cups or these little cards that Liam is opening, but attempting to. The uh, the core dynamic, I guess, is the buddy system. Right. So it's color color based, and what you do is everybody gets a face up buddy card. Right. And uh, let's get a different color in here. Players who have the same color as you are your drinking buddies. Right. And that means that they have to drink when you drink and they get to mm. refill a shot when you refill a shot. Right. You each have five shots and the game ends the first time anybody's emptied all of them. Okay. And you want to be the player with the most full shots left over at the end of the game. So you right. kind of, the strategy comes into play where you like don't want the game to end if you're not winning yet. Mm. And you want to try to keep it going so... Uh, what you do every turn is you draw a new buddy card. Okay. 
and you put it anywhere you want to. I can put it on top of Liam's yeah. card, yours or mine, and it kind of changes the color dynamic of the game. You know what, Liam, you probably don't, unless we're actually going to play this, I don't even know that you need to I've open already that. committed so much. Okay, fair enough. Do you want to play around? Sure. Let's play around. It's yeah. tough. Uh, you, you do actually need a minimum of four players, but we can have like a phantom player over here. He's going to win. Um... So uh, yeah, I I guess we, I can talk you through like a round of play. Yes, yeah, good to go. So if we, I'll give you five of these. Uh, let's just do three to keep it short and sweet, okay. right? Anytime you take a drink, you just flip one of those over. Gotcha. Normally you'd play with five of these cards, but I think this will be enough for now. This should suffice. Yes. And then I'm going to give you three of these cards. Liam, can you clap for me so I can sync this footage later? Cool. Thanks, man. That's you. It's our phantom there. friend. Yeah. This is great audio, right? Me dealing cards. Uh, we have, <laughs> it's we almost have like an the, ASMR. The video, too, and we can also like skip forward. We can edit. Jump around. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, again, you want to have the most full cups left over when the game ends and the game ends the first time anybody has emptied all of them so okay. that's kind of the idea okay so i'll start i'll um i'll draw a card it's purple doesn't really do anything for me so i'm gonna just put it here it doesn't really change things for right now and i'm gonna make you take a drink liam by playing this bottoms up i card. dropped this guy yeah all right i'll put him over here or you just flip it over just flip it. oh it's good oh, that's good i like that <laughs> uh and then you go next right, so drawing card yeah awesome. and so we can talk through the strategy if you want so is that purple also purple yeah yeah so if you put that on liam for example uh -huh. you could make him drink and then i have to drink too because we're buddies okay Still oh i like it Okay, let's see what we're doing here. You put that on top of that one, put that so on it top. changes your color, basically. Got you. Flip that, so you got to flip one as well. Yep, and then this is our um, phantom player. Phantom player. He um, doesn't really help him, so he's just going to play that on himself. And then what? He, what's he going to do? He probably wants to take you out, because you've got more full yeah, cups than him. Almost. So, um, oh... Let's see. He's gonna... Oh, this is not a great hand. Uh, <laughs> this phantom guy. He's yeah, gonna play a, a refill card on himself. Okay. But he can't refill because he's already right. got three. But gotcha. he doesn't gotcha. really have a better move, so... First round, yeah. All right, Liam, it's your turn now. You draw a buddy card. Here we go. So I got a red card, which is uh, strategy-wise. I, could I also refill one of my cups? I'm down, I'm down two. What do you have? Oh, I, your, oh right. So I play hand. one of them. I got uh, bottoms up, make one player. So do I pick one of these three cards, someone to do? Yeah, so you got play you. this, and then you pick one of those three cards to play. Got you. So you right. probably want to play the red card on me, right? So, oh, I actually. And so does he. Yes, bottoms up, make one player and their buddies. Drink, right? Got you. So who are you What's buddies What's your other with? one? Uh, I got designated driver, 
happy hour. So me and Tim could both yeah. refill a shot. I probably am going to do that because I only have one shot left. But you don't. So for here's what I would recommend. Okay. If you play this card, you're now not buddies with anybody. Mm. And you have a card in there that says everybody except me and my buddies drink. I see that now. Oh, okay, so I have no buddies, so I'm gonna play this one. So making you and the phantom player and Brian. Or you could do, or you could do this and then play your refill card, and to now it doesn't it doesn't help me, but it still helps you. So you could do either of those things, but from like a strategy I'm gonna, perspective, I'm gonna play that, and I want to refill one because I only yeah. have one. I only yeah, have one drink call. left. That's the move. And you wouldn't have to do that as early if you were playing with five shots, right. but yeah. Okay, I'm into it. Cool. And so the game just continues on from there until. One player has drank yeah. all, or until there's one person left. Exactly, and so and the, you, I think it's clear the strategy of like, if you make two people buddies, you can give yeah. out more drinks. Yeah. But the other thing that didn't really happen yet is like, if Liam was down to one shot, I've got two, you've got three, so mm. you're beating me. I might make him my buddy so I could play a refill card and extend the game and, and like keep it going. Oh. So you might like want to help people sometimes. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like a fair weather friend dynamic. Yeah, so we got to definitely play this like with drinks sometimes. This is a pretty fun game. Definitely. I like the idea. Yeah. yeah and then there's the buddy. The buddy system more. is good. Like it's clever. It's also. I mean, it makes sense. Brings the whole game together. But I can see with like Thanks, a, with a group of at least you know four people just getting putting down. It'd be fun. Yeah, if you'd be down to come back sometime when we have like one of the group meetings, you know, with all Wicked Good Everything. We do uh, live streams and stuff oh, nice. like that. If you'd be I would love that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it sounds like a great idea. Wicked Good Everything is, of course, the uh, YouTube channel that this yeah, is the, put on. the brand that yeah. Wicked nice. Good Podcast yeah. is under. So that's very cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks for yeah. playing. With us. Yeah, no, thank, that was fun. Um, we're definitely going to so have to do that. you kick-started this game, correct? Yeah, we kick-started it last year. Um small i mean we we basically were like let's what's the actual the absolute minimum we would need mm -hmm. to make this to make enough copies that it would be we could sell it at a at the same cost we paid right. for each copy um and we overfunded by a decent amount i think we we're at like 130% of our oh, funding wow. goals hey, so. that's big yeah and it was like mostly strangers which mm -hmm. i was really surprised by like mm -hmm. kickstarter just has a ton of great built-in um marketing and stuff and so if you're like into drinking games you're probably going to get a notification from kickstarter that's like check out this game right and uh, so what was the process behind um deciding one to go with kickstarter and then setting that all up and fulfilling goals and that kind of a thing yeah i i don't remember actually what made me go in that direction one of my friends was like Oh, well, you should do, I want to say Indiegogo or one of those other ones mm -hmm. that lets you keep whatever money right. is contributed. Yeah. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I, and I, part of me had a hunch that maybe Kickstarter would have more of a built-in audience mm -hmm. than um, some of those other ones. Like if I, I probably would have done Indiegogo if I was like, I'm going to rely on family and friends for this right. or whatever. Um, so that, I think that's ultimately why I went with Kickstarter. I also felt like they had a ton of good tools and like instructions on mm -hmm. their website for like here's how you make a successful kickstarter we recommend doing x y and z right and just having that kind of a, a handbook especially for me being a first timer on kickstarter i mm -hmm. think that made me feel a lot more comfortable with it um so that was kind of the the thought process there when we were thinking about like what the goals would be we kind mm -hmm. of thought about 
obviously the game makes sense as a as a reward for the Kickstarter, but yeah. what other types of things could we do? T-shirts is kind of a, a throwaway idea, but right. we were like, yeah, let's make some Drinking Buddies T-shirts, and then we made a bunch of shot glasses because we're like, that's like a core oh, component yeah, of the game. That's so. a good, yeah. Sense, yeah. Um, so, that, yeah, we, we had a couple of different tiers, and mm. you got your shot glasses with them or um, your cups. I would love... I have this, like, dream of one day um, having, like... A beer Olympics type thing where people play this game, uh, but it's like super official. You've got like actual shot glasses that are branded, right, and yeah. you've got. Yeah. Or one of the other things that we've done uh, that I think is is awesome. One, my friend Charlene came up with this idea when she was playing with her parents: is that you can gamble with this. So like, whenever you drink, think of this as a, ch- a poker chip. Yeah. And you throw it into the pot instead of flipping it over, and then right. whenever you refill, you pull one out. But the idea is like whoever. Okay. Uh, wins at the end of the game you get those chips so you could have like a big tournament style right. drinking buddies game so i'd love i'd love to do that at some point just have some like super like a a flight paddle for, like you might get at a, a microbrewery yeah. or something right. like that um that's kind of future state as of right now we're just doing kind of small sales through our website mm-hmm. we did uh we went to the what's boston the, what's the website so people yeah sure uh, so we have a little bit of like a a brand too. It's at wasted-minds.com. Um, so we sell our uh, we sell this game there, but we also have a number of podcasts that I do with my wife and some of our our friends uh, mm-hmm. on a number of different topics um, that are all linked from that website too. So so um, go check it out. Yeah, check wasted out wasted-minds.com, and you can buy this game here if it sounds at all interesting to you. Very cool. You, so. Um, sorry, did you want Yeah, to- no, uh, you mentioned to me you recently just did a convention. Yeah, we went to the Boston Festival of Independent Games uh, one or two weekends ago now, which I had never done before and was... I'd gone, but I'd never um, been a, an exhibitor there, and that was really cool because I've playtested this game a bunch with my friends and in yeah. some cases friends of friends, but I had never just had strangers come mm. and play the game, and that's one of the things that we did in our, our booth. We set up a... a uh, demo table and just had people come through throughout the day and sit down and play the game and like get really into it and uh, buy copies and talk about how excited they were to go to like whatever party they were going to that night mm. and take that game with them and that was like super rewarding my, my first time seeing like strangers right. just that's play awesome. and enjoy the game cool. you know so like, how much does it cost it's twenty dollars so affordable guys you got a 20 <laughs> yeah get over there come on because we're not I mean like I said we're not trying to I'm not trying to be a millionaire off this game, you know what right, I mean? Right. I just want it's a it's a, it's a it's a fun hobby of mine. Like I want if if I have people playing it and sending me pictures of them enjoying it on Instagram, all that like I'm that's literally mm. all I want that's out cool, of it. Man. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think twenty is like really affordable, very reasonable for a card like game like this for sure. And then you can play like we were playing with the these little cards that you can flip over but it does look really cool if you're sitting around a table with six people that have like full little cups of whatever mm-hmm. they're drinking and it's got kind of a cool aesthetic right uh different in a different look to it than i think other card or drinking games that you might play definitely and so other than obviously this podcast what have you done for like marketing trying to get the word out um about I'm sure you don't close your set being like, buy my game. <laughs> I know, that would be so weird. <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, 
No, I don't. I we done some limited Facebook ads, but mostly mm-hmm. that was during the Kickstarter campaign. Right. Um, we otherwise it's been mostly like word of mouth. We did this this festival that was probably the the biggest thing that we've done, mm-hmm. and then we promoted on all the podcasts that that we do too. Right. So. And so, obviously, you talked about wanting to have, like, a professional style, like, league someday. What uh, What's the end goal for either Wasted Mind, does it, right? Wasted Mind, Wasted yeah. Mind's right, and uh, this game in general. Logo. Um, so, I, I uh, for a while, was thinking I was going to have this be just a, generally an entertainment brand. We were talking talked about having the tagline be something like entertainment under the influence or something mm-hmm. like that because like a lot of the a lot of our content is kind of uh beer mm. or drinking related and uh i i like beer so that's just kind of like fits in with my personal brand right. a little bit i think and what do you uh what do you like to play with when you when you play what beer um i this always makes me sound so fucking pretentious oh, here we go here we go I, here we go i'm excited i love uh Belgian beers mostly. Okay. Okay. Um, I love like um, Abbey style ales and yeah. uh, like Le Chouf if you ever had that um, that style beer. But I also really love German beers mm-hmm. like uh, Hefeweizens and uh, pretty much anything they make in the Munich area. That's like right. my jam. But uh, I like I I'll drink any beer. I like mm-hmm. I like IPAs too, and like every uh, every other beer snob. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I mostly play with beer. And in fact, we strongly encourage people not to play this with anything but yeah, I was about to ask, something low uh, ABV. <clears throat> well, yeah, I remember I was when I first. I, I'm not the biggest beer drinker in the world. Uh, it was just I don't know. I have the that required the taste for it. But like so, I when I play drinking games, I usually play with like a mixed drink at the very least. Uh, so I, I usually get a little more uh, than everyone else. Yeah, so a little more out of my games, if you will. Uh, but I, uh, I, I was I. When I when you gave me a copy, I was going through it, and I was like, man, I don't know if I could pull that off in in like without dying in, yeah. in a in a good in a good way but i'm definitely going to try it still we so. we had when we were like play testing this early on with some friends we didn't have these little like shot cups yet mm-hmm. so we had all we had were these like we went to the store and bought these plastic cocktail cups that were like kind of right. big like you'd have yeah. a, a mixed drink out of yep. and uh so one of our, we'd had you know five of those lined up in front of us and my buddy <laughs> was making vodka cranberries like super strong vodka awesome. cranberries and he was just chugging one of those anytime he had to drink and we we're like man you've got to sleep here tonight yeah, like you, <laughs> you can't and then Better also please don't do this poisoning my no. brother-in-law was like he played a round of it and he was like this is fun college kids are gonna play this with vodka and die i was <laughs> like yeah that's fair so do you uh, have like a warning in we do we yeah. said well it says always drink and play responsibly on yeah. the box and like the rules have a, a thing about um, you know, knowing your limits or whatever. And you, mm. the, that was kind of the other thought behind these flip cups too, is that you, if you're just drinking a mixed drink, you don't have to drink an, you know, an ounce or a shot or whatever of mm. what you're drinking. You could just take a sip from It'll whatever. Be the yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it's what not, I would do. Or yeah. even like have 
three equal one drink something or one shot yeah because i like the i like that it's a drinking game but Mm -hmm. for me the strategy is more fun so i don't like get mad when i play this with a friend who's drinking water and i'm like oh you're not you know you're cheating like who cares like it's just a party game so absolutely um do you have any more questions lee no, I mean this is so cool. It's I I love that you have this as well as the comedy thing going on. It's yeah, cool. Absolutely. Like, and where can you find your podcast? Is, is it just on the website? Can you find we're it on iTunes? we're on Podomatic. We're on iTunes. Um, the we do um, we have a couple podcasts that are kind of on hiatus right now. We're gonna mm-hmm. try and like record a bunch of episodes and release them seasonally you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but i have a ton of episodes for the pod for a podcast a beer related podcast that i've done called rhythm and brews where we talk about music and beer and kind <laughs> of cool. pairing yeah. those things and Great then deal. um thanks yeah and then my wife and i do one called double date where we interview another couple about like a favorite date movie that they have but also mm-hmm. like their it's like basically a romantic com- if a romantic yeah, comedy fun. was yeah. a, a podcast i love it and then uh, we do, we're doing a Star Wars one right now. We do uh, a Star Wars podcast called Same Old Hope, where we do mm. we rewatch one movie in the run up to the new movie coming out in December. Very Can cool. I? Oh wow, a new movie is coming out in December, right? Yeah. See, I uh, opinions on the new trilogy. What are your opinions? I know you're. You, oh boy, you're a big. <laughs> uh, uh, Detractor on Last Jedi. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Star Wars. He's a huge hater. Please, I, I prefer I prefer Star Wars Truther. And... <laughs> I think uh, you were probably too young when the prequel trilogies came out to truly appreciate how bad they are. I definitely thought they were cool at the time. I definitely thought yeah. Grievous like like a cool robot, mm-hmm. no respect to the Force or anything. Like messing around, like I thought that was cool and not just a cool way to sell toys. But yeah, I I thought like the Clone Wars were cool. I remember thinking Darth Maul was cool. I remember not understanding any of the politics, only to come when I grew up to realize no one really understood any of it. Yeah, because it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But uh-huh. I, I definitely thought they were cooler. I do like as a as an adult think the original trilogy is like stuff my favorite of yeah. three. Um, I do think Revenge of the Sith gets more shit than it deserves. I think that movie, especially that last lightsaber fight, is awesome. But, uh, yeah, I go on. Yeah, so I, I, I guess where I was going with that is like, I have friends that are like, The Last Jedi is the worst movie. It's worse than the prequels, and I'm like, you need to rewatch the prequels because they're. Um, I think mostly it's the dialogue writing for it's, me. It's yeah, really it's, really, it's so forced. It's even, like they just explain their emotion, emotions with and, everything they and say. And in Revenge of the Sith, even though that has some of the best stuff in it, mm. the, the dialogue scenes, especially between uh, Anakin and Padme, are like mm. just absolutely cringeworthy. Yeah, and yeah. stuff that, like, I don't think you could point to anything in the new trilogy that's as bad as some of that writing. And I think... Um, so it's, and then the other, the other major piece for me is I think it's so unsatisfying that Hayden Christensen turns into Darth Vader. Like I just, mm-hmm. that transition is so unconvincing to me. You, this it's, is, it's definitely, it's such a, it's pretty drastic. He goes from like, you know, having some emotional conflict with his wife, you know, to killing children. Yeah. To mass. You got me. We, like, we were like joking about that. We shouldn't talk about religion or politics. And the third thing that I would get on my soapbox about is fucking star Wars. But well, no, I, I love talking about it. I mean, I'm still going to see episode nine. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm, uh, 
My po- I guess I'm curious. But. Just to before we move off it, my point was the whole point of the prequel trilogies is the transition of Anakin to Darth Vader, and I think they fucked that up. Right. And so if you take that with the writing problems that it has, I, I think there are things that I don't like about the new trilogy, but I don't think it's even close in terms of quality between the new movies and the prequel trilogy. Yeah, I'm... Okay, I'm with you on that. I haven't seen the prequels in a while. Uh, I know I saw when they re-released. Me and Brian saw uh, the Phantom Menace. That was probably the last time I saw. Yeah, right before they sold to Disney, they did like a re-release of the Phantom Menace in theaters. Yeah. We went to see that. It was cool to see it in theaters because you were like what, probably so yeah, yeah. Two it was, when it I think came that's out. my favorite prequel young. movie, honestly. Yeah. Whoa, what? Yeah, what? A fan- I, oh, Jar Jar Binks is yeah, bro. Come on, is, is really embarrassing. Uh, but I think Liam Neeson's great in that. Um, that Darth Maul's like the coolest, maybe the coolest villain in that trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I think the last fight. That last awesome. fight is amazing. Maybe, yeah, maybe, Duel of Fates. Maybe my the, favorite uh, lightsaber fight in the series. Right, and. Uh, I think they messed up by killing Darth Maul off in that first movie. Oh, killing! I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. know if anyone's seen Solo, um, oh, or Clone Wars, I'm, or Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta watch Solo. Is there yeah. some Darth Maul stuff in that? Barely. Yeah, at the very end. Oh, sweet! I gotta see. I'm pretty Solo. sure they're not gonna bring it up again, considering Solo didn't do very well. Right. I just I don't know. I, I felt bad because I I wasn't I wasn't hyped on Episode Eight for a number of reasons. Uh, but like I said, I'm definitely interested enough to see where I, where JJ can take it back to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I do. I've been meaning to see Solo. Most I love Donald Glover. So I, you know what I mean. I really am excited to see him in that. I heard he's great. It's on so. Netflix. So Is it on Netflix? I, what are my excuses? If you want to hear people um, argue about Star Wars movies, you should check out our same old podcast because yes. it's pretty much um, all it is. Everybody it's, go subscribe. A bunch of uh, yeah. You, I think it's. If you go to like Podomatic or sameoldhope.podomatic.com, you can find it. But mm. um, we're all like unapologetic fanboys. Like even right. even the movies that I shit on, I legitimately love and would watch right. them anytime. So, <laughs> um, did you think? Um, were you like Rogue One? Yeah, I liked Rogue One a lot. Uh, Rogue One's like one of my favorite Star Wars movies. I think I love it. Although my friend Jared, who's on, does that podcast, says. He thinks that is the favorite movie of anybody who has a camouflage Xbox controller. <laughs> I don't know if that's I have I have never owned one. I have had <laughs> I've interacted with people who have. I've had very close friends to me who own them. I think it's like the Call of Duty fans' favorite yeah. Star Wars movie. Really? Is like it's the, a very I like it too. I, do too. I, I like it a lot. But I mean it's definitely I like it's it way a, more it's than pretty, Solo. It's, a, it's a kind it's of like movie where it's like stuff just happens there's no like care the characters aren't moving the plot the characters are being moved by the plot yeah that's a good like, point this set piece happens this set piece happens this happens you know but uh that's fair i also I think, think the fun. movie is a lot better halfway through like the, the second half of that movie is way better than mm-hmm. the first half of that movie but also because it's just cool action sequences yeah, and a lot of wild stuff happening i'm I, i'll uh alone that for sure i enjoyed that oh yeah i i i like it solo is very different where it's as you know in terms of spin-off movies Mm -hmm. it's very it's much more character driven i guess but i I, I like rogue one more because it just feels more like a the original star wars movies to Mm -hmm. me and uh it does have really cool action in it and i think it's cool i love that they explain the weakness of the death star and all that type of stuff in a pretty cool way it's all it is kind of like a 
retro i mean it's kind of like retroactively addressing like a plot you know device in the like original mm-hmm. one in a but in a cool way I, I liked it for that it's way more satisfying than a lot of the stuff that's in solo where it's like have you ever wondered how han got his last name and you're like yeah. literally never no, you know? no. <laughs> literally no i um i will say on wicked good show that's movie and tv review podcasts we do on this channel i've definitely complained about last jedi but even on that show I will always say that the throne room scene in Last Jedi is one of the dopest scenes in Star Wars, and the scene where she does like the what is it hyperdrive or um, through the Star Wars. Oh Star yeah, Room. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty cool. Scene. Literally, like a breathtaking moment for me. I don't know about, but I was like, wow. I you know it's it's weird, but I think my biggest beef with that movie mm-hmm. is the are the jokes in it. It does get very Marvel humor in it. Marvel know? humor, and then there's a there's a legitimate spaceballs joke in that right. movie. Yeah, uh, where it's like a it looks like a spaceship, but it's an ironing mm-hmm. utensil in the yeah. ironing room, and you're whatever. It's like that's literally something they would do in spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, that was weird that they included that. They all, the audience, everyone gave like a weird, like nervous laugh at that when I saw that. Like, okay. Yeah, like uh, this doesn't belong do here. Um, yeah. I don't know. We could t- probably talk about the last. Show yeah, yeah, I, I almost probably. like. But we could just go into a spoiler cast. Hear about Star Wars. What's the podcast name again? Same old hope. Same old hope on Podomatic. And on iTunes, Podomatic too. and iTunes. And yeah. iTunes. So definitely check that out. Is there anything else you'd like to promote? Talk about where can they find you online? If not, I'm on Twitter at overweight champ, <laughs> um, and I am. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say go to wasted-minds.com slash store if you want to buy Drinking Buddies. Yeah, guys, it's only 20 bucks. You'll have way more than $20 worth of fun. I For can sure. say that just from the round we did. Liam, where can they find you online? Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, at RealLiamMar. Uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, at Mar.Liam. And cool. I am on Google+. Plus. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, guys, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at the fake BMR. That's B M A R R. Of course, the channel's on Twitter at WG Everything on Instagram at Wicked Good Everything on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Wicked Everything. Main channel, youtube.com slash Wicked Everything. This channel, when we hit 100 subscribers, if you're not there yet, we're not really even that close yet, uh, we'll be Wicked Good Podcast. But for now, just search Wicked Good Podcast here or on iTunes. We got. A lot of great stuff coming up. Of course, we have Wicked Show Review, Movies and TV, and the Sunnydale Review coming up first weekend of October. That's the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, so if you're interested in that, check it out. All right. Buy the game, guys. Please. Drinking buddies. Drinking buddies. Thank you for watching, and have a great rest of your day. Awesome.